Let's imagine that you're okay. coaching our audience right now. You're coaching somebody that's in the pandemic, that's that's maybe struggling, maybe experiencing adversity. You know, like what would you say to somebody that's listening right now? What's the first few steps that they can take to maybe head in a positive direction instead of focusing mm-hmm. on the negative? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the essence of a vision board is hope. Mm. You know, it, it, it is hope and it's honoring your deep desires. You just need to be able to pick up some images and, and look at some things and then, you know, just, just make sure you print something off or save something on your computer when you feel like you're connected to it. And usually a double take on an image is an indicator. And then you put those images together where you do it on a poster board. I like doing it old school or you, you know, use some type of internet tool like Canva or something and, and collage your images together. But what that does is it provides a, a, an anchor. It can provide just sort of like a home base for you to remind yourself about your deepest desires or even be curious about what they are. And I don't look at my vision board every day, but when I'm feeling like I'm needing some hope, I do. Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast. Real people, real stories, real hope. My name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host. And joining me, as always, my partner in life, my beautiful wife, my co-hostess with the mostest. Her name is... Just Jen. And you're along with us as we keep the hope train and moving on down the tracks. Choo-choo. You like my new tagline? Real people, real stories, real hope. I think we need shirts made. I know. Yes. That'd be awesome. Okay. Great idea. High five on that. Let's but make I think, it happen. I think, I think it makes more sense versus stories, profiles, and interviews of courage, triumph, and perseverance. I think real people, real stories, yeah. real hope. Yes. I'm all about it. Sign me up. Really? You're yes. already signed up. Okay. <laughs> Haven't you noticed? We've come and and done these podcasts every single week for the last weeks and weeks and weeks. I know. So you're definitely signed up. I am signed up. You are a participant. You are locked in. You are loaded. You are ready (laughs) to go. And you are, wow, I like that shirt. I'm hope filled. You're also a spiritual gangsta, (laughs) apparently. That's what I. What is what does that mean when you say spiritual gangsta? What does that mean? I'm the gangster of the spirit. What? I don't know. I didn't expect you. To say. <laughs> I like that though. Spiritual gangsta. You yeah. you are of the spirit, but you are out there spreading it like yes. a gangsta. A gangsta. I guess gangsters like spread Tupac. It. Really? Yeah. Like Biggie. Biggie. Biggie and Tupac. I love Biggie. Where's my Biggie shirt? I don't know. I gotta find that. Well. Here we are Mm -hmm. in the podcast studio, what we call our Radio Shack. Yes. Is Radio Shack still around, by the way? No, but in Mexico it is. Is it? There's one in Cabo. So they got out of the U.S., but they're international? I don't know. I just know that there's one right next to Starbucks. Uh, You know what we got to do? We got to find one of those old uh, Radio Shack signs and just hang it on the side of the shed here. I'm sure it's at that, you know, the Pickers have it. The Pickers? Yeah, that show. (laughs) What are they called? The Pickers? <laughs> American Pickers, I yeah, think. Yeah, they have it. Can you, that show is still on. It's been like. It's so cool. Tw- really? Yeah, because they're getting all the old vintage stuff. It's awesome. Yeah, I understand. They just have to go through a lot of trash to I find know. things. That's I not know. fun. That's not, that doesn't seem fun. But like, here's where I get sometimes lost. Like, mm-hmm. I can't relate with all of the clutter that they find. These people that just keep amassing yeah. more and more and more and more and more junk, junk, <laughs> junk, junk. Well, that's why they have their own store. So they go out and find all the really good stuff and bring it to their store at American Pickers, and then you shop there. Kind of like what we do. What? What, what do you mean, what? What store do we have? We Well, we go out and find all the good guests and bring them in <laughs> and talk about hope. How did I lose you on that one? Well, I was just thinking, I don't have a store. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Well, that would be weird. Like, how do you sell hope in a store 
podcast? Uh, how do you sell hope in a store? That's my joke for the day. <laughs> that is a good question, but I, I, you know, podcasts, you could have uh, hope music, you books. could have hope shirts, you could have hope books, you could have hope t-shirts and yeah. hats and, but you know, does a hat give you hope? I mean, it could. It'll give someone else hope because yeah. they're the ones who are reading it. We got to look into that. Yeah. So we got to see, we got to see if we can uh, up our hope game. <laughs> see if we can take it to the next level. Let's do it. Rise a notch. That's right. Level up. Okay. Rise higher. Higher. Oh, you're singing. <laughs> Is this the point where we sing? No, one day we should just only sing. Really? Yeah. Okay, Jennifer. <laughs> it's time to do the Hope Radio Podcast. I think it's time for jokes. Yeah, I think it is. You got your joke ready? I have my joke ready. It's time for the funny. It's time for the funny. Hold on to your shoes. It's time for the funny. <laughs> I don't have any on. What? No. Nope. You don't have any jokes? No shoes. Oh, why do you have not shoes on? I thought I smelled something. I'm a spiritual gangster. <laughs> Does that mean a budding hippie? A spiritual gangster is a hippie in training? Is that what that means? That's definitely what that means. Ah. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. So tell your funny. Let's laugh. Okay. What's the difference between a baseball cupcake and a baseball muffin? A baseball cupcake and a baseball muffin. Do, do, do. Oh, I don't know. One's bigger than the other one. I don't know. The batter. <laughs> see? You have to have two different batters. Oh, see, it's double funny. <laughs> that was double funny. That was it. You was have the to have ba- two different batters to make a cupcake and a muffin. They're different. <laughs> I get it. That one made me laugh. You ready for mine? I'm ready. Are you sure? Uh-huh. Mine's not going to be a food joke. It never is. What happened when the blue ship and the red ship collided at sea? <gasps> it made a purple ship. Their crews were marooned. <laughs> oh. Okay. Does you didn't. You didn't like it because it was marooned. Yeah, because because blue. They were, you can't say they were purpled. Well, that would have been cooler and more funny. <laughs> <laughs> because it's the truth. They, I don't think you turn maroon. You don't turn maroon. What's what's maroon? What color is maroon? Red and black. Let me guess. Red and blue. Dark blue. What if it was a midnight blue? Then it'd be maroon. No, I think it's red and black. You're thinking light blue and red. Yeah. I Somebody save us. Somebody help us on the color spectrum. I we just, are. It reminds me of Brayden. Yeah, he's he's he doesn't. See our colors. third child is colorblind with red and greens. He can get them mixed up. Yeah, our oldest one just dyed his hair blue, and so I was showing Brayden this morning. He's like, "Oh, it's purple," and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> "Okay, Brayden." <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because we take that for granted. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how does yeah. he see the world? It's I don't so know, funny. but it's sad because he can't even see a rainbow. He can't. No, he just sees lines. Mm. I'm like, you don't see all the colors. He's like, no, mom. Stop asking me every time there's a rainbow. I don't see the rainbow. It makes me sad because rainbows are pretty. Yeah, that means he doesn't see the rainbow in Skittles. Well, I guess if he's never seen it, he can't know to miss it. And he can't know that it's not different. But you know what? What? You can get glasses that can help you see again. Oh, yes. And I keep wanting to do that. And then I forget. That would be hope filling for somebody that can't see right? colors, right? Yeah. we have Look to at find you some. rolling it out. <laughs> we have to find some for him. He would just like... He'd be so like, wow, the world is so beautiful. I agree. He already thinks that because he knows what he knows, but yeah, it's well, so much prettier and vibrant. Speaking and of Kobe's vibrant. hair is blue, not purple. I can't believe he dyed his hair blue, but <laughs> that's our son. Um, speaking of pretty and yes. vibrant. Yes. Okay. We're going to have a guest on. Okay. That hails from originally Vancouver, British Columbia. One of our favorite places. <gasps> one of the most beautiful, picturesque places that you could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Her goal was to get to the United States. Her goal was to get to California. And she's a mover and a shaker. She's a world changer. And she made it happen. My goal is to get to Canada. Really? Yeah. I know. We're on opposite tracks. I would love to live in Vancouver. It's a beautiful place. It's uh, If you've never been, Vancouver is absolutely gorgeous. One of the most oh, picturesque yeah. places I've ever been and uh, certainly a place to visit if you haven't gotten the chance. Yeah, I love the Whistler, too. 
Oh, for sure. It's just a very dreamy location. Well, let's get Coach Callie on because uh, she is, like I said, a mover and a shaker. Mm-hmm. Her name is Callie, but she her official business is Coach Callie. So you can find her www.coachcallie.com. She's going to talk to us about uh, life, some of the adversity that she went through, some of the lessons she's learned as a coach. She primarily coaches high-end physicians, administrators, executives, leadership teams at hospitals. And so she's she's got a lot to share. And I'm oh. excited to listen to what she has to say. Me too. Shall we call her up? Let's call her. Let's get her online. Here we go. All right. I've got Coach Callie on the line. Coach Callie, welcome to Hope Radio Podcast. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Thank you both for having me here on your show today. Oh, we're excited. I'm glad you're fantastic. You sound like a fun-loving, adventurous-type person. I heard you had a great weekend and rolling into Monday. You're one of these people that loves Monday because you love what you do. That, to me, is hope instilling. Yes, it is. Absolutely. I really, genuinely, I do. I love coming to work on Monday and... I'm grateful. I'm grateful because many people aren't in that position. And, but, you know, one of the reasons why I work with people is that they can look forward to how they spend their time and their energy. Yeah. Loving what you do, I think, is an essential part of of living a fulfilled, happy life. And so tell our uh, audience a little bit about yourself. Like, where do you come from? Where do you live now? What do you do? Are you married? Got kids? All that good stuff. Yeah. I'll give you the context. So I am Canadian. And I grew up um, in BC, British Columbia, a, a little town just outside of Vancouver called the Sunshine Coast. And it was a mill town. It's a very blue collar. I grew up there with my parents. My parents are professionals. Uh, my dad's a dentist. My mom's a dental hygienist. They ran their practice together. I have a brother and sister, both in healthcare, like myself. Yeah, so I grew up in this beautiful little West Coast town. And even though I was, was growing up in this beautiful town, I always thought, I think there's something bigger for me out there in life. I didn't didn't ever dream of continuing to live in a, a teeny tiny town. So I went away to boarding school, actually, on, on Vancouver Island. And that was a really cool experience, one of the most defining moments in my life. I think I really discovered who I was there. And then I did a bunch of things, went to nursing school. So I have a nursing degree. That's kind of like my background in healthcare. And then I recently relocated to Sacramento, California, because I married an American. And interestingly enough, it was always my dream to move to California and have this sort of life that I go back and forth between Vancouver and California. And still today, my work as an executive coach for primarily physicians and other healthcare leaders is still back in Canada, but I reside here in California. So I feel so blessed to get the best of both worlds in both countries. Well, Jen, Jen was surprised. I knew this already. I knew you were a local to us. We're, you're in Sacramento, but she's like, oh my God, you know, Sacramento. <laughs> like, like, she's we're close. neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're right down the street from us, literally. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we're, we're not in Sacramento proper, but we're uh, stone's throw away. We're up in Forest Hill, but you know, we love the Sacramento area. It's a beautiful area, but we also love Vancouver. It's one yes. of our favorite places to oh visit. It's the only place we've actually, actually been to in uh in Canada. So we love going to Vancouver and then driving up to Whistler and then coming back down that road, you know, all yeah. just beautiful. Just right there on the on the coast is absolutely incredible. A great place to 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 I think um grow up. I, I it reminds me of a San Francisco that had a baby with Lake Tahoe yes. and the product of that was Vancouver, you yeah. know, so it's mountainous, hilly, lots it's of beautiful gorgeous. trees, but right on the ocean. It, oh, yeah. So it's reminiscent of, uh, of both areas, but a beautiful place to, to grow up. That town that you grew up in, is it is it by chance on the way to Whistler or is it in an opposite direction away from Whistler? Interesting. So I grew up in a peninsula. So the Sunshine Coast is actually connected to the mainland, but you, you have to access it by ferry. Mm. And, and so the ferry system is actually a big part of my life. And I worked on the ferry system uh, to support myself through through university. And we call it university there, not college. And so, um, but it's it's beautiful. And my parents had a, had a place in Whistler. So we would go up to Whistler and ski in the winter. And it's just gorgeous. And I feel very bl- blessed to have had roots. In BC, in that area, because and beauty is a huge value of mine, and probably because I woke up every morning to see, you know, a beautiful environment every day. Yeah, yeah. And, and I would, and I would say that it has a little bit. I don't know if you've ever been to Sydney, Australia, but it has a little bit of Sydney in it too, like the sophistication and 
it's just um, it's a really cool blend. I agree with you. I like your your metaphor, your your um, <laughs> comparison to to the baby between Tahoe and San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We you know the first time I was there, I I just uh, came to that realization because it, it it is very San Francisco esque in the field, the bridges, yeah. and how you kind of come into. Vancouver, but it's just surrounded by some of the most beautiful yeah. picturesque mountains with trees and stuff like that. And, and, yeah. uh, you get a real sense for it. Jen and I've done the grouse grind. She's done it twice. I think I've done it once. Man, it, that- It's not very fun. <laughs> Yeah, Jen, I, I can I can resonate with that feeling. Yeah, I but man, was, do you feel accomplished? Hey, when uh, you do it, and yeah. Well, you know what? Every time we've done it, we do it before we run the uh, Lululemon Seaweeds race, the half marathon, which so, is silly to do before you run a half marathon yeah, race. Is, I do you know, not so recommend I, it. So I don't know all the statistics, but how for context for our audience, you know, it's it's the grouse grind is about a mile, or is it is it's forever? It's like. It's yeah. it's a hundred miles. Imagine <laughs> imagine a mile straight up and about five thousand steps. You know, like your quads are killing you by the time you get up. I mean, it's an epic view once you get up there, but it's it's no joke hike. Oh man! Yeah, Ooh. no, yeah. no, and you know, I, I've actually seen tourists do it in like high heels, like they just didn't <laughs> do their research in advance, and they're like in heels, and I'm like, you've got a long road ahead of you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause you don't think it's that long in it, it. What it is, it is a mile, but like a mile is not very long, but man, when you're, you're like, yeah, climbing, I can, I can do this mile, but like, when, I can and do a some, mile in nine minutes, you know, like I yeah. got this, you know, but ooh, it's different. You know, I kind of think of the gross grind as a great metaphor for life. Mm. You know, it's just, you start out at the bottom and you have this goal, you have this you know, thing that you want to achieve. And it is like you sweat, it's hard. There's moments where you want to give up, but then you, you get to a little, you know, resting point. You're like, okay, I can do this, you know? And then the other people are like, you know, some people you pass and you're like, Hey, you know, like I got some rhythm here. And then other people are passing you. You're you're never alone on the growth grind. Um, And then you get to the top and you think, you know, all that hard work is really worth it. I really do think it's a great metaphor for life. Oh, yeah. Oh, I agree I with that completely. Yeah. It, 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 you you do feel accomplished, but you've got to go through the sticky, the hard, the, yep. you know, the, uh, the grueling. Whining, the crying. And when you have Well, that your, was just you. Well, no, I, <laughs> it was just me. And, you know, I'm totally fine. I'm capable of doing it. But, yeah, I, I'll be the first one to whine out loud. But I had Madden with me. He was probably 10 at the time. And so, yeah. Yeah. And so he was, he was uh, whining too. So it didn't help that both of us were whining. (laughs) Sean left us. He's like, I'm out. (laughs) Yeah. See, Hills for Jen. Jen loves roaming, but Hills for for her or or winter. I feel like her mouth starts moving a lot more once she encounters Hills. And I'm trying to distract myself. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm like, listen, this is hard enough as it is. I I, I don't need to receive any of that stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm out. I'm, I'm, I'm moving ahead. Yep. Very true. This, this is what you learn after you've been married for 26 years and together for 31. Like you, you learn the little ways to which to oh, deal with each God. other. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so like, well, if I'm, I see so a hill, I'm, I'm my... like, I'm going, I'm out. Well, this is really good to know. Cause I'm in my first year. This is my second marriage, but I'm in my first year of my second marriage. So, you know, we are just in the beginning baby stages <laughs> yeah. of learning about each other. Oh, the so, fun yeah. stuff. Oh, that's the honeymoon stage. That's the, that's the fun <laughs> uh-huh. stage right there. We're still learning about each other. So. Yeah, really crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, but you know, who would have thought in my first year of marriage um, and my first year, you know, being here in the U.S. that we would have COVID, yeah. we would have all this, um, you know, political stuff going on and, 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 you know, you know, just the tension in this country. And it's mm. been really an interesting, interesting year to, to transition here. Yeah, I, I believe that. But, you, you know, so let's talk a little bit about your life, because I, I know you said to me that you went through a period of time where you didn't have a lot of support. You're a single mom mm-hmm. trying to grow your business. And so, like, I feel like your metal's been tested previous to this and, you know, hardened <laughs> and strengthened. Yeah. So why don't, why don't you take us back to that time of life and, and how you managed to get through that? Yeah, well, you know, I think I've always been a coach, even before I knew what coaching was. And I remember the first time that I sort of approached a situation and in a in a coach approach, I was in grade six. And little small elementary school I went to, I, I really, to be honest, I think we had about 14 people graduating from our, our class in grade seven. 
And so what I noticed was my classmates were talking about how all of their faults, all the things that weren't good about them, because their parents would affirm these things. And same with the teachers. And all people, all my friends kind of knew about what they weren't good at. And I got this fire inside me, which I'm a redhead. I'm a fiery person. And I just had this fire inside me to go, this isn't right. There's got to be a different way of perceiving ourselves. So what I did is I organized a talent show all on my own. I went and asked permission from the principal. I said that I want to do this. I, I don't even know if I, I knew how to do this. You know, this is before America's Got Talent was on TV. <laughs> uh, and they, you know, you knew the process. But I, I did. I had a group of judges. We had different categories. We had people sign up to audition. And not everybody made it through to perform at the final show. I mean, it was real. It was so amazing about how empowered my classmates were to self-identify what they thought their talent was and be able to share it with parents and teachers. And I remember sitting in the, I performed in that, I was a dancer back then. So I performed my own, what I thought was my talent at the time. And I was sitting in the back row and it was a dark gym that we were doing this talent show and we had lights, we had, you know, it was really cool. And the principal got up after the show was done and he'd say, he just said he, great, great opportunity. This was fantastic for everyone. And he'd like to thank Callie. It was her vision. She put it all together. And I think that was the first time I was recognized for doing something good and positive. And then it meant something to somebody else. And I love that feeling. It like got me in my chest and I thought, oh, whatever this is, I want more of it. <laughs> I kind of figured out at an early age, if you create a safe space for people to shine and leverage their strengths and their talents, that is, is positive. That does good in the world. So that was kind of like my first opportunity for me to step into this coaching role. And, and I still do what I did back then today. I just do it in different, different formats and versions. And I love that story that at that age, you were smart enough and aware and observant enough to recognize the disadvantage and then not only to recognize the disadvantage, which is, you know, that that's a pet peeve of mine, too, is is the self negative talk. You know, like we've we've encountered that a couple of times with the kids and I was quick to, to really address it with him. Don't ever say that about yourself. Don't ever say that about your life. Don't ever say that about your abilities. You speak positive. You speak uplifting. You speak champion words to yourself, not like negative, I'm no good kind of words to yourself. So for you to recognize that your fellow classmates were kind of lamenting the negatives and focusing on that, fixating on that, and for you mm. to then think, okay, how can I solve this problem? How can I address this? How can I change you know, my little world right now that I'm living in and then to come up with this talent show. That's awesome. That's inspiring in and of itself to think that you could come to that conclusion and solve that problem all your own in sixth grade or whatever. Yeah, I know. It's, I even look back on that person I was then and thought she had some wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> and I've made some, you know, crappy decisions in my life, but you know, it, it's that approach that I took then is what helped me navigate and persevere through some of the more challenging times. And, and I have to say, I've been through, you know, many different challenges in life, but one of the hardest things that I've ever experienced is being a single mom and living in the most, one of the most, you know, costly uh, cities in the world and trying to navigate that. That was hard. It was hard mentally and emotionally and physically it took everything out of me and I was burned out uh, from being a single parent it was interesting I wasn't burned out from work and so I would have I think it was my work that actually allowed me to sort of surf the waves of that um, to the best that I could because when I would work it would boost me it would give me resilience um, to sort of endure the sort of the challenges of being a single mom. So when you were a single mom at the, at the height of the challenges and the adversity, so how old were your kids? What were their ages? And you were still, uh, you were a coach at that point. Like it, were you doing the same thing that you're doing now, but you were just at the beginning stages of trying to grow the business? Yeah. So what I, I was actually working for a lovely medical clinic at the time and Copeman healthcare. And that's really where I got my sort of formal start in coaching. And, and they really supported me to get my training as a coach and leverage my nursing into coaching. 
And I was working there almost full time, actually, at at that point, but I started my business on the side. And I was pregnant with my second child. And uh, my husband was not working. He was unemployed. It was right after sort of the, you know, the economy went down in 2000, just after 2009. So this is my second kid. My husband wasn't working. I had a lot of pressure on me to financially provide. And I just knew that I would be limited if I stayed in this sort of quasi nursing slash coach role that they had me in. Even though I, the, the work was great, it just felt limiting to me. And so shortly after my daughter was born, and this is where courage and risk taking really comes in. I, I like, I'm talking shortly after like eight weeks, I decided to quit my job. Therefore, I would not be getting any maternity benefits from the government. And I thought, well, the goal is to make more money than be able to support my family than what the government would ever give me anyway. So I quit my job and my daughter was, you know, teeny weeny. And, and I had a son who was three and I just went all into my, to my business, my company. And I really believed in myself and, and like, like genuinely believed in myself that I could do this. So my daughter was little. And then when I became a single mom, so my business was a couple years older at that time, but still under the five-year mark. And my daughter was two. So in, and in Canada where we have maternity leave for a whole year so you can really breastfeed longer and so I was still breastfeeding my daughter and my son was five and I was on my own and their dad was in a different province so he wasn't I didn't have any shared you know time off or anything so I was it and they were little and it was intense it was really intense How did you find the strength at those times? Because I know that there's going to be a lot of people listening that may be in a similar situation as you, you know, single mom, you know, trying to manage life, the balance, the the work and the being an effective mom. And And I know sometimes that can be a really, really challenging environment because let's say you excel at work and then maybe you feel like you're being deficient at home or if you're excelling at home sometimes you can feel like you're deficient at work and so how did you mm-hmm. balance the responsibilities of being both a business owner and entrepreneur and then attending to the needs of your kids it's so funny my daughter and i were just looking back at old videos from that time like you know home iphone movies that we took of ourselves yeah. videos and i was listening to myself with my kids and it was often my voice just because they were in the video I was filming them and I thought man was I ever patient with them (laughs) like listening to myself back I think I was like so hard on myself that I wasn't enough you know that whole Brene Brown concept of I I wasn't enough and and then looking back and listening to even my voice and and the tenderness of my voice and the patience which you know anybody who knows me wouldn't say I'm a patient person but I think I had more than I thought I did, you know? And so I think a couple things really helped me. I really identified what my priorities were. I really clearly focused on what was the most important thing for me to to devote my energy and resources on. And that means I had to set boundaries and say no to other stuff. So I think that really helped me. And then I also reevaluated my expectations and my vision of success. I had to make it you know, what my expectations were in success, I had to redefine what that is in the context of my current reality. So I had to meet myself where I was at, not where I think I should be. And I think that helped. I I felt everyday pressures from things, but I think that helped reduce the added pressure that I should be somewhere else. And I always had this restlessness, like I want to get somewhere and I want to achieve things. But I think I was patient with myself saying, I'll get there, just maybe not right now, or it might take me a little longer because of my current reality. And I think that that, that, that sort of frame of reference or that perspective really helped me just be more in the present moment. I think that's really, really phenomenal advice for a lot of people that are listening right now with the effects of COVID and how it's kind of upset their world. I mean, I imagine some gym owner right now that was thriving you know, 10 months ago that may now be facing bankruptcy or a restaurateur or something along those lines. And so you like, you have this vision of what you think you should be and what success means. And oftentimes it's a world vision, it's a societal vision. And so I think what you're saying is that you, you had to give yourself some grace. You had to, mm-hmm. to reflect on, okay, yeah, I'm not really where I wanted to be. I'm not where I think I 
was expecting to be, but you know what? I am where I am and I'm still going to get there. You know, I may be taking a little different course correction. You know, it's kind of like the old adage, you know, take one step back to go two steps forward. I think that's what you're really talking about is embracing the fact that you weren't exactly where you expected to be, but it's okay because you're still going to get there. Absolutely. One exercise I do even with my clients and I, I do all the things I do with my clients is I, I made a vision board after my divorce. And you would probably get goosebumps if you saw my vision board and, and what's on it now, because this is a lot of pictures of and images of uh, California. It just, it's very interesting how, and I made this vision board before I even met my husband. So you wanted to be, you had on your vision board, you had a pictures of California. You wanted to live in California before you even <laughs> met the guy that would eventually bring you to California. Talk about law of attraction. Oh, yeah. So I'm actually looking at it right now. I just pulled it out. I have a stack of American money and there's a little pink bow that's wrapped around that American money. I have a picture of an American flag. Mm. I have a picture of uh, a woman on a boat in the San Francisco Bay Area. There's a picture of Napa. I have a picture of a, a castle, a sand castle on the beach. So what this vision board did for me is it gave me an anchor to maybe I'm not there living my dreams right now. But this is a part of my journey. So what do I need to learn now that'll contribute to that dream? And so the vision board just kind of gave me inspiration and hope and that my dreams matter and my, and my goals matter and my vision of success matters and that this is just part of my journey. I love that. I think that that's incredible. And, and, and then from that vision board, things start to crystallize. They start to materialize. And next thing you know, so how, how did you end up meeting <laughs> a guy in Sacramento that would eventually become your husband. Yeah. Well, you know, I think so much of it is that having clarity about what is really important to you, your values, your visions, the, you know, the things that you want and life is so clear. Cause then when opportunities or people come in to your frame, to your, to your world, you can kind of more easily identify whether it, it aligns or not. And so the story of how I met my husband is really cool. I, I was meeting a girlfriend downtown Vancouver and we were going to go out and have a couple of drinks. So I, I was responsible. I got a babysitter for my kids and I took a taxi down this taxi driver. I have to say, I thought I was going to die. He was speeding. <laughs> he was, I, I was actually scared for my life and I'm pretty confident and assertive person. And I, 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 for some reason I didn't ask him to slow down. I just held on for dear life, hoping I would make it from point A to point B um, and I did, and I got there, and I was paid them, and I was so grateful to get out of the get out of the taxi. When I got out of the taxi, it was at the Westin uh, Hotel downtown Vancouver, and I looked up, and I saw this man valeting his car, and I just whew, I looked at him, and the first thing that went through my head is that's a man. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's the same I, thing I, Jen thought when she saw me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a man. Actually, you were only you were a little I was, boy. I was a man boy. <laughs> Your man boy, because <laughs> you guys have been together so long. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, he had such a presence, and I was, and he looked over at me, and I looked at him, and we both smiled at each other, and I was like, wow, like you know, he, I don't know, it just there was a connection. So I walked into the hotel lobby thinking he was walking in behind me because he had just valeted his car, and I turned around to see if he was there because I was going to just say hello, and he wasn't there. Like. I, couldn't find him. I was like, okay, that's interesting. So picked up my girlfriend. We went to um, a place to eat. Uh, we weren't getting uh, a place to have a drink before we were going to our restaurant. Couldn't get service. So we said, ah, oh, okay, let's just go to the restaurant. So we went to the restaurant. Our table was not ready. So we sat at the bar for a drink. And then they, shortly after the waitress came over and said, uh, the server came over and said, your table is ready. And we, I said, you know what? Let's just stay at the bar. There's cool music here. I'm good. Let's give up the table. Two minutes after that, the guy I just saw at the hotel walks in and sits down beside me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. That's when you know. This, this was not a restaurant that was associated with the hotel. I mean, he, he had to walk there. And I looked at him and I said, you're the guy from the West End. And he mm -hmm. said, you're the girl from the West End. And we just started talking and, um, my other girlfriend is my girlfriend that was there at the time. She was also single. And I think she was a little bit interested as well, but she clearly saw that there was a, a connection between the two of us. So she, she sort of bowed out and supported that, which I thought was a great, 
great friend, sign of a great friend. (laughs) And, um, and then, you know, one thing that really struck me about him was how he talked about his children and his family and how important that was to him. So that value of family really came through. Um, and so we just started, we kept talking and probably about a month later, I flew down with my kids to Sacramento. Um, cause I thought, you know what I mean? If I, I want to see where he lives. I want to see what he's about. And I had an aunt that lived in Sacramento. So my kids were able to stay, stay and, and be with her while I kind of dated him for a week. We dated each other. And then after that, that week, we knew that we were going to continue being together. And we, we went back and forth between Vancouver and, and California for two years and then, and then got married last summer. Oh, I love that. I love that. I'd like to say that our uh, introduction, Jen and I's introduction was as memorable, but the first thing she said to me was she wanted a quarter so she could call her boyfriend. That was, (laughs) that was the thing that she said to me. That's when pay phones were the thing. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently I didn't have an iPhone at that time. (laughs) No, you did not. She's all, can I have a quarter? I need to call my boyfriend. I'm like, what? He literally threw the quarter at me and said, you are so stuck up. And I'm like, okay, can I have the quarter? That was our first two or three sentences together. I knew it was love at first sight. Yep. We're still together. That's romantic. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's, that's great. That's so funny. You know, just sometimes the way life ebbs and flows and, and just the connections and, and, you know, had you not, you know, decided to stay at the bar, had you not smiled and, you know, next thing you know, it's just this, this, this kismet. It's just, it's Mm -hmm. just meant to be. It Mm -hmm. happened the way it was supposed to be because it was meant to be. And, you know, I just uh, love hearing stories about that. And, and I love that you are now because that prompting, that's that spirit you had inside. I want to be in California and the vision board and everything Mm -hmm. else. And now it's coming to, I'm such an advocate for that. I'm such an advocate for visualizing Mm -hmm. where you want to be in life and your future, et cetera. I I, I believe in the law of attraction. I believe if you focus on it, you'll attract it. And uh, that's exactly what you're talking about. That's exactly what you did. We have one of our boys right now just created his vision board Colby and it's all about becoming a realtor and you know the cars he wants and everything and ever since he did that he's already passed his first real estate license test you know like he's just there you go he's making it happen he's like it's amazing he's like I've always had these thoughts in my head but when I put them up like things are starting to happen. So he's yeah. like freaking out a little bit right now. It's actually really cool that you have, you know, a similar story. Yeah. 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 I believe in that. And and so do you use that with your coaching? So let's, let's imagine that you're coaching our audience right now. You're coaching somebody that's in the pandemic. That's, that's maybe struggling, maybe experiencing adversity, you know, like what would you say to somebody that's listening right now? What's the first few steps that they can take to maybe head in a positive direction instead of focusing mm-hmm. on the negative? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the essence of a vision board is hope. Mm. You know, it, it, it is hope and it's honoring your deep desires. And sometimes you didn't even know what they are. So especially during a time when our brains are hijacked right now in COVID, we're in fight or flight. We can't even necessarily attune to ourselves. And what a vision board exercise does is you don't have to think, actually. What you do is you just flip 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 through magazines or go on Pinterest or Instagram or just the internet. And whenever you see an image and you do a kind of a double take, there's something usually in that image that's calling you. You get an emotional hit. And our brains want to make sense of it. So they want to go, okay, what does this mean to me? You know, this, this has to mean something. And I say, just tuck it aside, you know, take that image and tuck it aside. And you don't actually have to know what it symbolizes for you. So then it's less work. Because I think a lot of people right now are just so stressed and they go, well, I don't know what I want. I can't even think. Well, you don't have to with this exercise. You just need to be able to pick up some images and, and look at some things and then, you know, just, just make sure you print something off or save something on your computer when you feel like you're connected to it. And usually a double take on an image is an indicator. And then you put those images together where you do it on a poster board. I like doing it old school or you, you know, use some type of internet tool like Canva or something and and collage your images together. But what that does is it provides an anchor. It can provide just sort of like a home base for you to remind yourself about your deepest desires or even be curious about what they are. And I don't look at my vision board every day, but when I'm feeling like I'm needing some hope, I do. Yeah, that's awesome. Like the the whole idea of of actually honoring your what you said was honoring your your deep dark 
interior goals, desires, those those cries of the heart, those things that you just, not everybody knows about you, but yet you want these things for your life, you know, to put that up yeah. on a vision board, to, to receive it, to, to allow it to possibly come into existence. Because, you know, n- nothing frustrates me more than to hear somebody, I'll never have that. I'll never do that. I'll, you know, like yeah. that kind of language to me is yeah. like, it, it just sets me off. It's like, don't ever, don't ever say that because then like, it's certain then. Yeah. It's really yeah. hard to actually be friends with people like that. Like it's, it's, it really is like, for me, it's like an energy sucker and it's really hard to communicate and, you know, just be friends with them. Yeah. It's, it's Super difficult being hard. friends with a Debbie Downer all the time. Yeah. It's thing, like, you know? I want to just be like, just be quiet, but focusing on the negative, you know, you got to be a good friend and just listen, <laughs> but you're just, Oh my god! I feel like you're talking about somebody specifically. You know, it's like you. I. You know what? There's a lot of people that are very negative. I'm just gonna say it because it's the truth. But yeah, um, yeah I don't surround myself with them. I. I think that's one of the secrets to to being happy and productive yeah. is to is to recognize who you gel with and who you don't gel oh, with, yeah. and and oh, yeah. you know, obviously surrounding yourself with people that want to uplift you and right. encourage mm-hmm. you to achieve great things mm-hmm. if that's your goal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, I I and, and I'm not you know positive all the time. I think yeah. the essence of who I am is positive. But I, I remember one of my good girlfriends, she goes, you know, Callie, when you you'll go through a period where when, you know, not a long period, but a period where you really maybe are complaining about something. Mm-hmm. But what she said, what you do, Callie, you, you just address it. Yeah. Rather than continuing to ruminate or complain about it, you, you see something that's not working in your life and you go, what am I going to do about it? Yeah. And you just pivot and you address it and you take action. And that creates the transformation. And she said, you, you know, she just, she said, you know, you have this incredible skill and it is a skill. So when you hear people, the, dev, you know, the downers, mm-hmm. the complainers, I mean, they just don't, the, the compassion that we can have for mm-hmm. people who are in that state is number one, they may not have a good enough brain health to get there. That yeah, could be one. True. So they may have the skills, but their brain is not in a healthy place. And number two, they may not actually have the skills. It actually is a skill set that you need to sort of develop to be able to then implement and then create that transformation in your life. Um, so it takes work. You know, I've been working on this for probably since I was in elementary school. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. This is this is what Jen does. When, you know, like I'll, I, I don't have these days very often. I might literally have a day where I'm woe is me and I'll, I'll call it wallowing in it. You're just kind of wallowing in that. Oh, nothing's right. You know, we call it kind of a nothing's right day. Jen looks at me, change your face. Oh my gosh. What are you doing right now? Like seriously, God blessed me with the gift to not be like, she that. like, she like, if I go more in a day that she's whooping my butt, oh, I'll yeah. tell you what, like, and I think that that's the, that's the, I'm like, oh my gosh, like you're bringing everyone else down. Like find your happy. Yeah. Find, where's your faith? Go look find at your, your vision happy. board find and your, find hope. Yeah, where's your faith? <laughs> Change your face. You know, like, what are you, what are you doing? Like really right now, this is how you're going to be. We have four boys and they'll all agree oh, that I'm just like that with them too. <laughs> I'm like, no, there's no whining. Like. I, I say that I am like the dude in the whole relationship. Which makes me the chick, apparently. <laughs> the emotional one over here. <laughs> but yeah, so I if the boys want to complain, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm technically the only girl in this house and I'm the only one who does not whine and complain and cry. Like what is going Unless on? Unless you're climbing grouse grind. Oh yeah. But I'm just I'm, oh, just, yeah. I'm just talking to myself there. I'm trying to motivate myself <laughs> just to get up the darn hill. Well, and you know, I think another thing that's really important just through that time of being a, a single mom was mm-hmm. taking risks and having courage. Yeah. And, you know, I, I watched an interview with Oprah. Justin Timberlake was, I think, on Oprah's masterclass. So I think it was a monologue. And Justin said one of the biggest things that helped him get so successful and where he was is that he just took the risk to try new things without attachment to having it work out. So. Yeah. And I, you know, the way he said it, I mean, he's a really good actor and speaker and it just hit me in. And so what I did is I set during that time of being a single mom that every quarter I would do something I'd never done before. And I'd take a risk and stretch myself out of my comfort zone, which is a key component to coaching in and of itself. I take risks and, you know, have to tap into my courage regularly because (laughs) I sort of set that intention to do it all the time. And I think that's also something that got me through that that really difficult time is just try something different, yeah. you know, do something that you've never done before. 
I agree with you. I think there's some people that don't react well to change. And I'm always about personally about growth, about trying to evolve and be the best person that I can be and, and challenge myself that way. And I think if that's your nature, if you're, if you're driven, because one of the things that you said is you said you're fiery, which I understand I'm married to an Italian. So I understand about fiery women. I I get that. You don't have to, you don't have to have red hair to be fiery. You can be Italian too. So I I got one of those. And uh, so I, I, I get, but that drive, that, that hustle, that pursuit mm-hmm. of something bigger, better, uh, more enriching. It's, it's, it's like seizing the opportunity. Not everybody has that. And then some people, success may have come easy to them. And, and this could be the first time that they've ever dealt with significant, challenging adversity, yeah. you know, versus, you know, I think if you've, if you've been dealt that kind of an adversity, the more times you've risen to the occasion, overcome it, you know, I've said the valley prophesies the mountain, the deeper the valley, often the greater the mountain. And so, you know, out of that, I've looked at some of those adversities now, and I come to respect them as, as a uh, beginning stage to another, another episode of growth or the, the launching pad for something different. And, and I think you have to have gone through those types of, of experiences in life to then reframe the current challenges. And I think that people that have been through that can now look at something like COVID or the, or, you know, uh, the social unrest or the wildfires or a hurricane or whatever the, the, the imminent challenges to their life and, and frame it differently and view it differently now. And that was one of the reasons why we wanted to create the Hope Radio podcast was to just be that lamp, to share stories with people that, you know, even though this may be an extremely challenging time for you, maybe something that you've never even faced or, or dealt with before, what's on the other side of it could be your destiny. It could be your purpose in life. It could be the future you never even imagined that you would have that you are going to have, you know, but you just got to get through it. You just got to get past it. Absolutely. I love that. So the image of a lamp, you know, that just really stuck out for me because again, the other thing is that, uh, you know, I think if you, what was the hardest thing for me about being a single parent and you're for your listeners right now, it's like, well, what is the harsh thing about this time of COVID or social unrest for you? And for me, it was the feeling of so much pressure that I had to do it. And I had to succeed all on my own. I just felt the weight of the world on my shoulders and it was too much for me. It was like, I've got limits and we, like people all have limits right now. There's only so much you can take. So your soul goes, Whoa, you know, I need boundaries here, whether that's a physical boundary, an emotional boundary, a volume boundary of some sort, you know, just too much stuff. And I think another thing that really helped me was the idea of not doing this alone and tapping into my network and my friends, no matter if you only have one person in your life that you can trust, or if you know, you're one of those social butterflies and has many, but is that I couldn't do it alone. And, and one of the things that I think was my best decision is that I got a big brother, you know, the big brother program. I know you have it in the U S too. We have it in Canada. And I got a big brother for, for my son because I knew that he needed male in positive male influence in his life. That was really critical during that, that time in his life, you know, when he was in grade school. And so, and that also reduced the pressure off my shoulders. So I, I I started to look at what do I need to delegate? What do I need to get support on? And I knew I couldn't even replicate that that sort of guy energy, <laughs> no matter how hard I tried. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that that was just an example of one way that I leaned into collaborating and tapping into communities that have helped buoy me up during this time because it was really heavy. And I think for anybody right now that just feels heavy and just feels like they they're just maybe too much for them, and it's alone is is, you know, how can you enlist and enroll people to help you through this time? And you might always, you won't always need it. You won't always be there. You know, I have much more capacity now to give to others and support others um, because I'm partners now, you know, my situation is different. And now I, I feel like I can give back for all those times that people gave to me. Yeah. I love that. I, I think that's very well said. I agree with you that, you know, stronger together, you know, the whole idea that yeah. you can get through anything, you know, if you have a team, if you've got some people around you, the people that support you and uplift you. 
And so let's let's talk a little bit about your practice just for a second. Do you only uh, coach physicians, you said? So you coachcali.com. So if somebody wanted to connect with you, it's coachcali, C-A-L-L-I-E.com. But do you does your practice involve coaching others outside of the medical industry or just in the medis- medical industry? I can coach anybody. I work with anybody. But my typical clients are healthcare leaders. So my background's in healthcare. Um, and I, I really resonate coaching with leaders because leaders and people ask me, why do you coach executives and leaders? Because they have a tremendous impact on people that they serve, you know, like leaders just have a lot of influence. So I feel like when I work with leaders and it doesn't have to be healthcare leaders, I actually have had some clients in radio that I coached, um, in the auto, auto body industry. So I have, have, uh, I work with people in other industries other than healthcare, but I, I really do like working with leaders because they have a lot of influence. And I feel like if I can help that leader, then I'm really helping all the people that they touch in terms of their direct reports and the people that they work with and their families and their customers that they serve or their clients. So that, that, that's typically who I work with. And I also teach up at the UBC Medical School up in, in Vancouver, and I teach leadership curriculum for the UBC Medical Oncology Program. So I do facilitate workshops. Now we've all switched it to online learning, which is very interesting. Yeah, the whole pivot, which allows you to be able to work from, you know, pretty much anywhere, which is why you can still have a practice that's primarily in Canada, in the Vancouver area, yet you live in Sacramento, of all places. And so, Absolutely. And, and I can coach any, um, you know, what's really neat is there's no geographic barrier. There's no limit to, and that was actually one of my intentions is that I had a career that was portable and that, that people could easily, you know, access my services from anywhere they are as well. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And and uh, I, I applaud that. I think that, you know, if you if you start with the end in mind, if you begin with the end in mind, I want to be able to have a, a business that I can operate from anywhere, then that's part of that vision board. That's part of that, you know, let's let's bring it into reality, the law of attraction. And and I think you're a walking uh, testament of that. So as we close out the show, I just I, I wanted to uh, ask you. So I wanted you to imagine that somebody's out there listening that that is in that challenge position and and we may not know maybe it's a health challenge maybe it's a physical challenge maybe it's you know financial maybe it's emotional maybe it's a marriage about ready to to give up you know i thought the pandemic was going to bring people together more and i see you know it, <laughs> yeah. a lot of people getting divorced a lot of relationships uh yeah. you know challenged i know spousal abuse and and domestic violence and child abuse is up during the pandemic and so who knows what somebody may be dealing with right now but like what would your words of hope be to somebody given what you've been through yourself what you've overcome like what could you share with somebody to maybe encourage them that uh, tomorrow is is going to be better than today yeah absolutely it's the biggest thing for me was really digging in deep going inward and believing in yourself and honoring yourself and if you are doing that you're going to get through it you're going to get through, but you got to believe in your own capabilities and your own strengths and your own visions. Um, and then little bit by little bit, it's just one micro step. I call it a micro step that you can do to honor yourself. And for some people, it's just waking up in the morning and washing your face. You know, it's just the baby things that honor yourself and lift you up that you can do with whatever situation that you're in. And those are like deposits that go into like a well-being account. All those little micro steps go into that account. And what it does is it builds over time. So when you need to make some bigger moves, you've got a reserve to draw on. I love that. Those are, th- those are like mini deposits. I, I, I like that. It's a win. It's a mini win. And then you got more wins and then you start feeling a little bit better. And then, you know, you can expand on that. I think it's, it's those, uh, those micro steps that you talk about that I think are so key. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And we will get through this. You know, it's, I can go from being a, a single mom and two kids and the weight of the world on my shoulders. To now I actually have downtime in my day. Every morning I wake up and I spend an hour and a half in the morning doing nothing. Mm-hmm. I just, I wander through the house or I do whatever I want to do with no goal oriented behavior because that's my peace time. That's my downtime. That's, that's I, your I, moment I, of rest. That's your moment it, of, it of selfish care. <laughs> And that is transformational for me. The fact that I can do an hour and a half of downtime when I went from an overstuffed life where there was just too much on my my shoulders is transformational. It's transformational. So it's absolutely possible. Believe in yourself. 
Thank you, Coach Callie. You've been awesome. You've been a phenomenal guest. I, I love your words. Kudos to you. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm happy you're in Cali because you're a good person to have in California here, making the world better. Hey, and my name's Callie. I'm I was Destiny. just going to say, Callie in Cali. Yeah, she's Callie in Cali. I like it. Oh, thank you to you both. I really appreciate the opportunity. And this is fantastic. You're, you're amazing host. Thank you. I don't know about you, Jen, but after that interview, fascinating, fascinating interview with Coach Callie. But after that interview, I want to go home right now and create my vision board again. I know. Me too. Like, I think there's, they're magical. I think there's something to it. I think when you, when you go through the cathartic process of like listening to that inner voice inside you, like what, what, do you, what do you want out of life? What are your talents? What do you dream for? What's the big dream? What's the dream that you're afraid to share with somebody else because it seems too big, that they might laugh at you or think less of you in some way? Like that secret hidden, put that on a dream board. Put everything that you've ever aspired to on a vision board. I'm all about that. And you know, I haven't done that in a while. I haven't done it either. I think the last time I made a vision board was when we watched uh, or read the book, The Secret. Yes. Because I think they that's when we, I think you and I both did. Yeah. I don't know where it's at though. Well, I think, I think the law of attraction is like a big deal. Like what right. you focus on, you attract, mm -hmm. which is both a good thing and a bad thing. And I, I think that's one of the things that is problematic with some people's situation. You know, we've met people that are constantly negative, focused on the negative, lamenting the negative, and that's hard to be around. And I think that they attract more negative yes, because of that, yes, you know? Yes. Whereas if you, if you attract positivity, if you think positive, if you're optimistic, if you have a, a vision board, a dream board, et cetera, then I think that you're far more likely to be on the path to attaining that or achieving yeah. that. And thank you to Coach Callie for just reminding us of that, yeah. you know? How crazy is it that she put all of that stuff on her, on her dream board and, and then it, it comes true. to fruition. I know. That is crazy. That's why I was like, I need to go home and do a vision board right now. What uh, would you put on your vision board? I don't even know. But you know what? The cool thing about it is there's no dream that's too big that you can't put on it. You know, like anything you can imagine that you want in your life or you want to see in your life or whatnot. Like there's nothing just... That's yeah. too big to put on it, which yeah. I love. And I think that every time you look at it, like it's hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. And what a lesson to teach other people in your family. Yeah. Like if you start that and then you start to attain some of that, it's like a cascade of positivity. Like people look around and you go, how did you do? Well, I tell you what, I got out my vision board and about six months ago, I put <laughs> yeah. XYZ on my vision board and look, I've made it happen. Well, that's you know, what, Colby does it. Yeah, that's what he was saying. He said that it's so crazy because I've had all these thoughts in my head, but once I put them on my vision board, they all started coming true. And like within a couple of weeks, it was like crazy. So he's like loving the whole idea of having a vision board. I think that the process of actually doing that is mm -hmm. hope filling. Yeah. Because you're, you're actually believing for a better future for yourself Dreaming. than your present yeah. situation would allude to. Right. Yes. So the vision board is literally seeing a brighter, better future for yourself, which is in my opinion, hope, yeah. you know, believing that, Tomorrow is going to be better than today. Yeah. That's hope filling. I think right? we need to go home and do a vision board. Thank you, Coach Callie, for yes. that. Like I really, really connected. I mean, she had a great story and I and I and I love her perseverance and I love her. She's a very good speaker. And I wish her all the success. But the nugget, the the real hope nugget mm -hmm. I got out of it is go home and do a vision board. Well, heck yeah. It was like one of those little reminders. Like we I forgot about it. So I'm happy that she brought it up. I'm gonna do my vision board for my fifty plus life. Okay. <laughs> I turned 50 in January, so I'm going to do it for my 50 plus life. What am I going to achieve in my 50s? The second half. <laughs> the second half. Yeah. All right. So how do people connect with us on social media, Jen? We are on Hope Radio Podcast on Facebook and on Instagram. Send us a message. If you have a hope story, if you know of somebody that has a hope story, please send us a message on either Facebook or Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us. Um, and yeah, we, we would love to share more hope with other people through the stories of people you might know. So if that connects with you, if you know of somebody, send us a direct message and leave us, by the way, some feedback on Apple Podcasts. We're trying to rise up on the ranks on Apple Podcasts. So if you can leave us a review or leave us a testimony, some sort of accolade on there, some sort of written, hey, you guys are awesome. You're doing a good job. That would make our day. It definitely would. Here's what I think would also make our day. What? Having another story of hope. I love Maybe it. having another interview. 
Yes. Real people, real stories, real hope. Let's do it, Jen. One more time. Okay, let's do it. Here's a preview of our Hope Radio podcast. Next episode, number 79. How do people really kind of connect with their ordinary superpower? Uh, And what do you mean by that? Well, ordinary superpowers to me are those abilities and talents and skills that you already have. You already possess these things that help you contribute your most powerful, positive way to the world around you. So they help you succeed, but they also, you know, help lift other people up and and serve other people and the world in general. And I call them ordinary superpowers is because the things that we're absolutely best at, the things that are kind of wired into us, they feel so normal to us that we have a hard time realizing how special and extraordinary they are. 